She's here to make sure I don't say anything rude. Thank you, precious. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise God. And uh, uh, yes, absolutely, sister. Have I've been where I've been where you're at? Pastor Ernie's saying it's just stuff. Yeah, you know what? It, it is stuff. But I know that God is the God who sees, and I learned this from my wife. That's one of his names, and his name is what? There you go. The God who sees. We saw Hagar, he can see you. Miss Becky, he can see me. God, <laughs> God cares about what you care about, period. My grandfather passed away many, many years ago. I don't know how old. I was probably in, what, my 30s? He lived to be uh, my mother's father. He lived to be over 85. My grandfather had a wedding ring. It was gold with a ruby with a diamond in the center of it. And it had, the, the ring had wore through. He'd get it, you know, uh, soldered back together, golded back together two or three times in his lifetime. He told me he got it when he married my grandmother. And uh, he told me one day when I was a teenager, he goes, you know, when I pass, this is yours. And I said, okay. Well, he passed. In my grandparents' house, there were pictures. And when I got married, since I was so proud of my lovely bride, Miss Lisa, the lover of my youth still, she goes, you put your name on anything you want, and you put it in the trunk. Well, I'm just a grandson. Who do you think the first person to that trunk was when my grandfather passed away but his daughter? And she called me and said, there's stuff in here with your name on it. I want to know when you did that. And I go, well, it's dated. You know? <laughs> the Lord decided that I'll be married in 1975. Coming up on 42 years. Thank you. Thank you. So, so I didn't say a word. Not a picture out of that trunk of my grandparents, not the gold ring, not anything. Years go by. I don't know how many years will, but I never mentioned anything. All of a sudden, one day my mom comes to me and she has this little box, you know, like, 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 you know, like a Bible would come in, you know. And in that box there was that, that ring, a picture of my grandparents, very young, uh, my grandfather's, he worked for the UP Railroad, and before that he was a longshoreman, his IDs, okay? And I was like, wow. I let it go. It came back to me. I always tell people, if you love something that much, let it go, because your God sees and he'll bring it back. Amen. Let's open our prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for, for bringing us all here. We thank you for, the, for your providence in all things. We thank you, Lord, that this is the day that you have made, and we're going to rejoice in it. Lord, hide James. Don't let James be seen. Don't let James be heard. Let only the manifest word of God be present in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how many of you are familiar with the story of David at Ziklag? Oh, chico, no eka. Yeah, I'm going to start speaking in tongues right now. Right now. I need somebody, though, to read that whole chapter for me before we begin. Have we got a good voice in here to do that? Lucas. Oh, there you go. 1 Samuel, chapter 30. Here, you better get on a mic so they can hear you. The whole chapter. When, when you don't see sunlight in the windows, we'll be, we'll be done. You Thank got you, it. Jesus. And these are the wrong notes. 1 Samuel 31. Now 30, David ver, 30, verse 1. 30, verse 1. There you go. That's what I meant. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb, Negeb and against Ziklag. 
They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Abimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord. He said, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook Besor where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, 200 stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to a Malachite. To in, to in Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Nijeb of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Nijeb of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. Okay, we can stop there for right now. All right, so we got a lot going on. So David apparently was out doing what David does. What did David do? What was David known for? David was a man of war outright. David was a man of war. That's why he couldn't build a temple. He had blood on his hands. So while David is out doing what he does, somebody comes in and takes all of his possessions. Not only takes his possession, we're talking family, women, children, burn the place to the ground. There's absolutely nothing left. Now, these men were following David. These men that followed David actually went and got him a drink from his favorite pool. This is how much they loved this man. But you see, they all cried. They exhausted themselves. They cried until they couldn't cry anymore. Some of us haven't cried enough till we can't cry anymore. Some of us... Because when you get to that point, you're exhausted of that thing. Some of us, you need to cry. You need to finish crying, okay? You need to exhaust yourself of that. Amen? Uh, verse 4. Exhausted themselves until there was nothing left. Verse 6. David's own men who had loved him have chosen in their hearts to betray him. Hmm. By stoning him to death. The very same men who risked their lives to bring him a drink of water now wanted to kill him. Now, in order for these men to go get him a drink of water, there had to be a love between those men. You just don't go, go get somebody a drink of water from their favorite pool. There has to be love involved. There has to be some, something that's bonding you two in a relationship. Okay, They wanted to kill him. Do we have anywhere else in Scripture where this same scenario takes place? <laughs> what takes place? Come on. How about Jesus? Jesus was betrayed. By what? By the people closest to him, right? Of course, we all know that, that Judas wasn't fully patched in, right? He was just, he was, you know, he was just, uh, he was just a ride-along. Judas wasn't fully patched in. How many of you understood that? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So he, he's got a, you got people that want to kill you now. People that you broke bread with, that you've cried with, that you've even healed each other's wounds with. And now somebody wants to kill you. Now, how many see that as a church scenario? <laughs> I told you, bolt the pews down. <laughs> 
I'm here to preach. I'm here to give you a word. I need you to see what he wants you to see. Come on, church. We need to do things today that we wouldn't do yesterday. And you can't do that without changing the way you think. You can't change the way you think if you're not reading the word. I'm involved in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a men's Bible study. Actually, it's on a Bible study right now. We're going through the uh, uh, purity book, um, Every Man's Battle. Okay? We're going through it one question at a time. And I'm like, you know, I, I, after like the fifth or sixth time in there, I'm like, I'm just frustrated. I'm like, you know what? I just closed my book and I said, I'd like to make this obsolete right now. How about we, how about we stop going through the book and we just, we just take care of the problem outright? Do you know what that is? The problem is pride. That's it. Everything, everything that's involved in our lives that's, that's sin-related comes from pride. Okay, let's move on because I can camp there for a while. Verse 30, chapter 30, verse 7. Dave called for the priest in order to prepare himself to inquire of the Lord. Okay, church scenario. Sister went, talked to her pastor. From, from what I heard, he told her something that she didn't want to hear. <laughs> and he told her what she didn't want to hear for one reason only. Does anybody know what that reason was? Love. Love. He loved you. You're, this man of God loves you enough to tell you what you don't want to hear. And sister, we need more and more people like that in our lives, right? Right. So now you've gone through something and you've learned something. Every time God shows you something or teaches you something, you need to know that it is a weapon and a tool for your personal arsenal. God doesn't waste or hurt. Somebody said that before. That's another preacher. But anyway, people are like, I pull out, see, I'm going to pull out something from my arsenal. Well, really? You have an arsenal? Yeah, don't you? You're a Christian. How about let's go to Ephesians? Let's talk about it. Amen. So he went to the priest. And then we get to verse 8. David had to do one of the hardest things that a man or a woman has to do. And that's pull themselves up in the body of Christ without their pastor, without the elders, without the intercessors, and say, Lord, it's just me. It's just me. You want to grow in spiritual things? It's got to be you and it's got to be him. Now, I'm not criticizing the church. What I'm saying is until you know the intimacy of God, you can't know the war plan of God. Does anybody know what the war plan of God is? What's that? Take back. What are we taking back? People's lives. Taking them back to the kingdom. Spiritual warfare is about getting people into the kingdom of God. It's not about taking ground. I've heard that in church. Do you, know how, do you know what happens when you bring people to God? Whatever they have, it comes into the body. Land comes with that. So stop going after this person. Go after their soul. Stop going after what they have. Oh, oh this would be a real good fit for our church. Go get, go get it. Amen? So he's inquiring, what should I do? What should I do? The good thing was he knew where to seek. He went to the high priest. This was a tradition, and David knew that. Even though David was a man of war, there was one thing about David that was different about him than, than, than most other men, because he had a heart after God. Even in his warring nature, his, he still had a love of God, and he knew who he was, I can't use the word sinner, but as a man of iniquity. He knew. Amen. Praise God. So they asked God, what should he do? 
instead of relying on his own personal strategies that he had learned in church, learned in the body, learned at a seminary, which are all good things. Those are weapons, but you have to know when to use them. David knew at this point nothing like this had ever happened to him before. He knew that there was nothing inside of him that had an answer to what had just taken place. And he had to get another answer. You can't answer yourself. You want to move, in, move and grow in the body of Christ? You want to move and grow in your intimacy with God? Then it has to be you and God before anybody else. You didn't come to Jesus as a group. You came as an individual. Amen? So the Lord told him, you know what? Go and pursue. So he took some men. Did he take a few men? <laughs> How many men did he take? 600. 600. We know some of them said, hey, you know what? We're going to stay behind. That's fine too. But he says, go and overtake them. So now we're going to talk about the providence of God. So these guys have a head start. They, they don't think anybody's coming after them. Because usually when a travesty, let's say your church just burned down, let's just say your house is all burned down, we're all just a mess. Good generals know that. Nobody will be, nobody will be bothering us for months, maybe even years. But God loves this man. And so he leaves a little Egyptian out in the middle of nowhere dying. Really? Really? We, we know, that, you know, and he, he told a story. Well, I, you know, I got sick and let me here to die. God used an Egyptian to get back the families and possessions of David's band. We'll call David's family, David's church, because he, he was taking care of a lot of people, a lot of people. Let me go up here. So they found the Egyptian in the open and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate. This is a key point. <laughs> this Egyptian is no relation to this man, and we know David is a man of war. I'm sure somebody would have just killed the man outright. So they brought him to David. Hey, look what we found. And what did he do? He fed him. Are you feeding your enemy? Let me tell you something. You feed your enemy enough, he'll choke himself to death. I'm serious. I'm serious. He'll have him next hug himself. Or as you, I like to say, love the hell out of him. I just told us, love the hell out. Seriously. You want to see walls come down? Love people. Love people. Love people. And they gave him some cake and figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived. Aha. So his belly was full. This is why we have koinonia. <laughs> yeah, we laugh, but it's true. We sit around and eat everybody's goodies. And, you know, Miss Lisa and her women had a, a potluck yesterday. And Lisa comes home with, with some pie and with some cake. And oh, Miss Margaret wants you to eat this. And Miss Bibi brought this. And I'm like, Really? Really? You know, but we feed people. We give them a drink of water. Isn't that what we're told to do? Just give them a cold cup of water. Some people can't drink a cold cup of water. Give it anyway. Keep giving it. Because that's, that's what he's commanded us to do. You know, nothing else. I'm not going to get, if there's anything that's happened to me, you know, that, that's absolutely changed my life in the kingdom of God is there's no more religion in my life. Because I love God more than I love you. And God has put it in my heart to, to love him to the degree that I have to love you in the same way. I know two different pastors that are involved in my life. One loves people. Absolutely loves people. The other one loves to please people. Who would I be closer to? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I, I, 
I wasn't going to say that. I thought that. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The point, the point is, we've got to feed them. There is so much just, just in this one chapter of how we're going to live, how we're going to personally get in contact with God, how we're personally going to do what he told us, regardless of what anybody says around you. These guys wanted to kill him. And all of, he, all of a sudden, he says, hey, I just talked to God. He says we're going to pursue and overtake. Well, he hadn't been wrong to this point, right? These men were following him. And women. And women. Okay? So they overtook him. Let me read this. And David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant to the Amalekite. Amalekites are enemies. Some people, if they were enemies, they wouldn't even be around you. You know what I'm talking about, church. They don't, they don't even want to hear your name mentioned in a prayer request. What are your prayer requests? Thank you, Lord. Is our first thought, kingdom business, Lord, we pray for the salvation of all. Or is our first prayer request, Lord, you go take care of those families of that fallen firefighter. There's, there's things that are supposed to be done in a particular manner, in a particular way. Lucas this morning talked about what, it, what, the, uh, what the reason for the season is. How many of you, if I said, do you know what the chief grace is, would know what I'm talking about? Okay, that word chief means the overarching or the, the, the there's a word we use, uh, uh, archetype, the original archetype, okay? Before Jesus, our Savior came as a baby. Something had to take place in the heavenlies. We want to relate everything immediately back to the birth of that baby coming out of the womb. When actually... It all started in heaven when Jesus said, I'll go as a creature, as a created thing. That is the humility of the Christ. There's only one thing and one thing only that can conquer pride. Don't make me make you say it. Okay, I'm going to make you say it. Humility. Humility. Bend your mind, not your knee. Because your knee can't react before your mind reacts. Read Romans. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Be transformed. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You can't change who you are, what you are, until you change the way you think. God wants you to change the way you think by hearing what's taking place with David and his Ziklag. Amen? David said to him, will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to him. It's funny how when people are left for dead and you come along and revive them, so people out there are left for dead, and some of them are even being left for dead in the pews. Don't leave them. Feed them. People who are around me, even my wife, she's like, man, you know, she goes, maybe that person doesn't want you talking to them right now, you know, in a good way. Because she's really sensitive in the spirit in another way. Completely 180 degrees of I am. Because I'm the guy that just, I'm the guy who just, just wants to come over and say, you know what, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the sister showing up to hear the word today. And I know she's listening. And right now she's even going, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and he's saying, he says, I'm loving you. That's what he's saying. That's all. I'm loving you. Do you see me? I'm loving you. I, I put this long-haired freak of a preacher in front of you to come over here, put his arms around you to just to say, you know what? I love you because I see you. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I invaded her space. And I didn't take anything away from her. I gave to her an embrace 
I even leaned in a little bit on her shoulder. Not to, not to intrude, but to show, hey, look, there's, there is intimacy here. It's three-way. Amen? This man got left for dead, picked up. He says, look, you know what? I'll, I'll do anything you say. Just don't kill me. We know people who their lives are that way, out in the world and in the church. You know what? Just don't kill me. Because they are living in fear. Fear. Not only being killed out there, but killed in the church. I hear it all the time. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, church, the church, this is not a safe place. The church of Jesus in Christ is the safe place. And it's still here. But you're, you're the ones who... You're the ones who determined how it's going to be here. Amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love this story. I love this story. And when they had taken him down, behold, they were spread all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Wow. And if there's anything that we know, because we're visual people, let's say, for instance, that our, our favorite sports team has just won something. We will turn cars over in the street. <laughs> we become reckless. We take part of that mass mentality. We're on top. We're undefeated. Nobody can challenge us. That may be true, but it's only for a season. <laughs> and that season could be very short. It could even be milliseconds. Right? What are we doing with all of this? What are we doing with it? Now, you've heard me speak. You know that, that God has me. That he, years ago, he said, James, I want you to be, be an officer in my army, the army of the Lord. I go, okay, Lord, you know, what does that mean? He goes, I want you to raise up people to be leaders for me. And how are you going to be a leader for the cause of Christ? You got to die. Die, 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 die. And then finally, when you get to that place where you're dead, you got to die again. <laughs> because he'll show you something else about your nasty, filthy, wicked spirit, right? Right. Romans chapter 7, read it. Amen. First, okay, I'm not there yet. And David was, and David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except for four hundred young men who mounted on camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small nor great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks, herds, and the people, and the livestock. The people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Okay, so 15 verses back, th this guy was looking at a lynch mob. <laughs> now, these same people are saying, hey, you know what? We, this belongs to David, Okay. Why? Because he was the one who brought you there, right? So we have another image of Christ here, okay? It's all his. It's all his. Everything. It's all his. But we want to we hang on to a few things here and there just because. Let it go. I had something that was very close to me, talking about this sister testimony this morning, something that was, you know, close to me, and it ended up being just given away by someone very close to me. Now you want to talk about hard? I just bit it. Okay, Lord, I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't need it. I don't need it. You have something else for me. I know that. I know that. And he has. And that's why I'm standing in front of you today. Because I didn't hang on to something. Amen? Amen.
Okay, not everyone is called to the same task. Learn to understand. Learn, learn to understand not everything God has for you is for everyone else. So we've been taught this because we had some bad hermeneutics that started back in the late 70s or mid-70s. Yeah, hermeneutics is a fancy word for saying how we present the gospel. Because if we were still operating on that principle, I would be wearing a suit right now and a tie instead of loving you, okay? But, I, but I've learned to love you enough, the body of Christ, and those that are outside to wear sleeves and pants that don't have holes in the knees and a leather vest and silver and all the rest of it. But when I've gone out to, when I'm just out in the marketplace, when I'm out, when I'm out there, where, these are not my church clothes. These are not my church clothes. And I'm just out in the marketplace, just wearing what I wear. I get approached all the time. And I get to share the gospel. Usually the first thing is, is wow. I can't believe what I heard just come out of your mouth. I'm like, why? It's the truth. Is it because it's the truth? Well, you just don't look like someone who would know something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Whatever, I hate to use the word called to, because the only thing we're called to is salvation. Everything else is a task. Okay? So, Please don't be offended, but I don't believe anybody's called to anything. I believe that you're assigned something and you've answered the call to the assignment. Because Romans is very clear about we're all called to salvation. So stay in the task. And you're going to hear this from me every time I come. Whatever he's assigned to you, stay in it. Well, you know, I don't have, you know, I'm going to say this again. I sat with guys who have master's degree. I I don't have a degree. God trained me up in a different way. Now, if we were in the Roman Catholic Church, I wouldn't be heard because I'm not a priest. But according to Scripture, according to what Paul says, I'm a priest, Pastor Ernie's a priest, you're a priest. So if you're a priest, then you have a part. What are you doing with your part? That's all. I'm going to encourage you in your part. If your part's a little shaky, there's... In Corinthians, it says, we know in part, we prophesy in part. That's because there's other parts out there. Go get the rest of the story. And get the parts that you got jacked up on, corrected. That's all. You'd be surprised, or you wouldn't be surprised how many times that I've got my hand slapped in church. And I mean, well, James, that's not, that's not what this is saying. Really? Okay. Well, my studies have led me here. I'm open to hear what you have to say. I'm open. I want to hear. I want you to show me where I'm wrong. But if you're not going to open this book, close your mouth. In fact, a few weeks ago, a man started to tell me something. And I said, you know what? I go, unless you can find it in Scripture, you need to shut your mouth and close your mouth. And then this, the man leading this men's group goes, oh, we don't need to get all excited. And I just looked at him like, like you, don't, you have no idea what you're talking about. This man blasphemed God. I love God enough to stand up. And say, you know what, mister, you're a liar. Well, after the meeting, the man that I called a liar met me outside and he apologized. You know. Now, the leader of the group came to me and said, well, Pastor James, you know our pastor's going to hear about this. And I said, well, you want me to correct him? (laughs) You know. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom. No way. There can't be. If there's hierarchy in the kingdom, then this book is a lie. It doesn't mean I don't show honor to to the man behind the pulpit at all. It doesn't mean I I disrespect him. It means, look, we're all equal. If I need to be there, then you need to tell me that part of the story. You need to educate me in that theology to get me there. I'm missing a lot of parts. But the parts that, that I have studied, I know extremely well. Back to David. David knows enough about God that he's not going to let him die. He inquires of God. He says, go get it. You shall surely overtake. Right here, they got back everything. Sister got back everything. How many phone calls did you have to make to get back everything? (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, oh, how many times have I said that this morning? You know. The angry, the, I know, that's okay. It just means I have to change that, that's all. That, that's, that's a good holy rebuke. Um, we, we, Lord. He wants, to, he wants to give you everything back. But if we get it back when we want it, it's going to mess us up. <laughs> it's going to mess you up big time. Okay? I, I guess it's not easy to understand. You know, I, I, was, I was a teenager in the 70s, so the prophets of my age were rock stars. And, and when we say that, the prophets of, most of the prophets of this age are still rock stars. But they're not prophets of God. If we do our study, if we, if we really understand the worship, I've already had this discussion with Lucas, because what you have in him is something that hasn't been unveiled yet. Lucas is not a... Uh, it, uh, dang it. He's not a worship leader. How many of you know that he, he is no kind of a worship leader? Thank you. Lucas, I'm gonna cry. He, he is a psalmist, okay, and he's being groomed in this house before your eyes. Encourage this young man. I only I've only known two in my lifetime. Well, I should say that the Lord's revealed to me. Yes, so encourage him. His heart, okay. He wants to bring you into a throne room of God. And you can't do that as a worship leader if you don't know the word. And I mean know the word personally. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. That was for free. <laughs> Thank you. Let me get, I don't want to get off track. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David, who had been left at the brook at Besor. And they went out to meet David and, and the people, and the people were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among them who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we had recovered except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. Whew. Wow. That's, 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 that's one of the biggest problems in, in, the, in the church today. How many of you remember what I told you what the two biggest problems in the church were the last time I was here? Unforgiveness and unbelief. Unbelief is a form of pride. Man, so, because there's people who go to specific church bodies just to get (laughs) the booty from there. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't belong to you. We already established that earlier. Anybody who knows me knows, look, I'm not, you know what? If you're not strong enough to fight, stay here and pray. That's all I need. I just need you praying. When I go up there on that mountain, I need you down here praying. That's all I'm asking. Because you're still a part of us. So this is a number, another image of the body of Christ right here. David says, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. They are a part of us. You don't, you don't get to decide. There's another, there's another uh, image right there of the Christ. You don't get to decide who's coming into the kingdom of God, church, at all. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you don't get to decide. If we would just do what he told us to do, go and make disciples. Well, we wouldn't made a lot of church attenders, but we haven't made a disciple. A disciple is someone who chases after God. Who, who comes on Sunday, they get the word, and they go home and they go, you know what? Oh, man, he only spoke for an hour and a half. I know there's more in there. I'm going to go find out what that more is. You know? For years, I tried to get my wife to read commentaries. They're not the Bible. They're not the Bible. They're not the Bible. I know they're not the Bible. But these guys have set where that's all they do all day long is go over Scripture. And there's a lot of commentaries. Man, I'm not, I don't single in, oh, I like this guy the best. You know? No. I read them all. You've got to, you've got to become your own person in Christ. You, you can't go off what Pastor James says. Okay? 
You've got to go off what he's telling you. I'm not, I'm not here to, to promote me or anything else. I'm here to promote the kingdom of God, to get people into the kingdom of God, to get the ones who are weak stronger, to get the strong to just come out and just, you know, just step up. Just step up. There you go. I'm just trying to get the strong to step up. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, if you are living today, and I said this last week and uh, yesterday at a men's breakfast, and I got, what's he talking about? How many of you know what the word vanguard means? Yeah, vanguard. Frank? It, it's, it's the first and foremost of the group. They're the ones who are out front. Okay? They're the ones who are out front of the group, the organization, the military, the church. So if you're living today, you're part of God's end time vanguard. We've been saying end time since I was a baby, but now that, you know, we have a president who wants to move the capital of Jerusalem, I put the capital in Jerusalem, we see that end time events are moving right along. Some of you have, have, have been comfortable on your south parts for a long time. And the word of the Lord is, stand up. Okay, one more time. Some of you, finally, finally, some of you have been sitting on your south parts for a long time. It's time for you to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on, I got a few more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And yes, and so what took place? You heard a word. There was a prophetic act. It started with the brother. It started with him because he heard it first. And then somebody else recognized it. He heard it. And you go, oh, I heard that word too. I'm a part of that. And then a few more. And then one becomes two. Two becomes eight. Eight becomes 32. 32 becomes, it just multiplies. Infinite. There are no boundaries for us. Amen? So don't, don't judge a brother just because he wants to come to all of the afterglows. Let him come. Because those of you who just stood up are going to rub up against him just like I rubbed up against a sister. Hey, man, what's happening? You know? Usually I wait for people to tell me to leave their church <laughs> or, their, or their house. You know? And that's, and that's the nature God's given me, to be fearless. I'm not worried about anything. If you throw me out of this church, I'll go to another one. But you do need to throw some people out. Oh, I didn't think I was going to go there, did you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's where the bolted pews come in. We've got to stop allowing the continuing of sin. Now, some people will struggle for years. I mean years. Okay? The Bible's clear about God wounds and he heals. God afflicts and he heals. Jacob and others. David even. So if we know this, just keep working. But you can't, you have to be constantly rubbing up against somebody. Rub up against them enough till they say, you know what, I need a break. I learned that from my wife. <laughs> I need a break. This is, all of this is too much right now. Really? In, in 1974, she couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Things change. <laughs> if there's any constant that we know of God, is that change is always taking place, and we don't like that. Right? Let's move on. You guys want to eat on that for a while? Okay. David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. Us. He didn't say me. They made it personal and we said, We're following him. He's the leader. Then 
Then after acknowledging David as a leader, they decided as a group, we're not going to give them anything and didn't even get the leader involved. Then David saying, no, you're not going to do that. This is why I am the leader. This is why I am God's anointed. This is why I am the man for the time. Amen? We've got to listen to these things. We have to listen to these things. Amen? Oh. He has preserved us and given us into our hands the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is whose goes down into battle, so shall his share be by who stays by the baggage. Somebody's got to stay by the baggage, right? Well, I almost said something my wife wouldn't like. <laughs> I'm getting the sign now. Some of us have to stay and take care of the donkeys. Seriously. Seriously. Because those donkeys will get themselves in trouble and, could, and there could not be a church when they come back. Okay? I've seen groups go out as a group and the ones left behind, they just rise up as soon as they're gone. Because there wasn't anybody to stay back to be in charge, a leader of the group, or watching the donkeys, or as Jesus calls us sheep, because we're all dumb. It's the same thing. Donkeys have longer ears. They, make, they probably make a lot more noise. I didn't mean that to anybody who has big ears. Okay. 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 Let's keep moving. And David made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. We're not interested if you didn't go into battle with us. Everybody has a stake in it. Today, if you're not an intercessor, I'm not interested. You still get the reward that comes to the house of God, to this house. Amen? You still get the reward that comes to the kingdom of God. You still get the reward. Why? Because you said, yes, Lord, to the Christ. You're in. You're in. Okay, one more time. You're in. Thank you. Okay, I, I do this at a couple of churches I go to. Any, anytime I leave that pause, that's for amen. So at some churches, I just do this. I write it in for you. Okay, at some churches, I do this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, it's the, and the reason, I'll tell you why. It's because you've heard things that you're automatic, automatically saying amen to. So some of the things that I'm saying today, you haven't heard before. Okay, so you're getting another part today. And so in your mind, you're going, is that an amen or not? You know? That's what I love about Jesus. He didn't wait to the end to say amen. He said, verily, verily. This, this is done before I begin. Amen? Before I speak, it's done. I love that about my God. So Jesus made a statute. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, here is a present <laughs> for you, the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was, it was in those in Bethel and Ramoth, of Negeb and Jatir, in Arior, in uh, Sifmoth, and I can't even pronounce that one. Anyway, he goes on and says, all of these places, here are the spoils from the Lord. You can understand, they took back everything that was taken from them. And then whatever that they had got on the spoils on the battlefield was also theirs. Camels, sheep, goats, armor, jewels, oils, incense, all of that. You've got to understand, people. He's going to give you back more, more than you ever lost. Job. Amen. Amen. You know, and I haven't even been using my notes. Thank you, G This is one of my favorite passages. <clears throat> Okay, and in, all, and in Hebron and in all the places where David and his men roamed. So basically, wherever David went, whatever the spoils were, portions went back to Judah and everybody else, and everybody else. What was he going to do with it? Set up his own kingdom? He could have. He could have. See, he knew, he knew what God wanted. He knew what God wanted. David wanted 
everybody around him to know his God like David knew God. Even with his bad image. That's why he gave. He gave. The very last verse is is, the image of Christ. He gave it all. So my question is, this, this, was, this was a good piece of scripture. My question is, did Jesus give it all on the cross or did Jesus give it all in humility when he left heaven? When he left heaven. When he left heaven. It was then. So when Jesus had left heaven, the task was already complete. He just had to walk the task out with everything and everybody who was in the task. So that when Jesus got to the end of the task, he could say he finished it. And what did he say? It is finished. Now, I drug you all that far to say this. You guys aren't finished. You're not finished. But some of you are tired. Okay, we know that. You know, they say I think 20% of the people do, you know, do 80% of the work in the, in the church. Okay? And it is exhausting and it's tiring. Some of you need to just go and sit. It's like the sister said, be still. Some of us just need to be still. You don't need to go and tell your brother how you, you're exhausted of you are of taking care of him. <laughs> that's, that, that's, uh, that's no good. No, no. But you didn't say, you know what, sister, brother, I need a break. I've had people tell me, you know what, I need a break from you. <laughs> James, you know what, this is just so much too fast. I say, okay, you know, when, when, when you're ready, you know, you just come on back to me. The, the, do- the door is open. You know, in the meantime, how about I give you a couple of books? I want you to read this book, The Holiness of God. R.C. Sproul, who passed this past week. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, sometimes you need to, to, to step away from your brother. Is, is because sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time in our fleshly nature, because that is your nature, we're covered in the righteousness of Christ, we're covered in blood, we're not covered in white robes. Righteousness came through blood, okay? So we're covered in blood and we're covered in oil, okay? Okay, Lord, where were we going with this? We need a break. It's okay to say, you know what? I need a break. I had an experience some years ago. I was at a, a large, large event. Um, Lisa and I were part of a, the ministry team. There was hundreds of people in the ministry team. It was for personal healing, cleansing. And at this event... All of a sudden, something was wrong with me. I could feel it. Something's wrong. So I went to the the person who was over me. I said, something's going on. I don't know what's going on. Something's going on. I don't know what, I I mean, I I don't even know how to explain it. Something's wrong with me, you know. And this is a woman. She looked at me, and she got a smile on her face. And she goes, oh, God's doing something. And I'm like, In my head, I go, I'm here to help other people along in their process, okay? Me and my, oh, we were were captains of of intercessors and praying for specific, just walking through this building of 2,500 people. And while that's taking place, you know, I get hit. Boom. This woman takes me, drags me up to an altar to a a specific person. And I knew this woman, and she looks at me, and she goes, James. And she, she did this. She put her arms out like this. She goes, you need a mother's hug. Wow. Wow. You want to talk about, really? I, 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 this woman stepped out. She gave me a hug. 
She held me. She prayed. She spoke softly into my ear. And then um, I, was, I was like, calm down. I mean, really, I mean, because I was like, I'm up, you know, let's hit something, let's kill something. But not in, not in the Jesus way, <laughs> in, in the other way. <laughs> and so I, I looked up at her, and, and uh, she goes, you're going to be okay, aren't you? And uh, I said, yeah. And this is what she tells me. She goes, why don't you get back to your assignment? Wow. Wow. <laughs> so while you're in the task, assignment that God has you in, he may just decide to give you something back or give you something that you needed or hadn't had before. Now, I could have said, no, 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 no. I was told to stay here. This is my assignment, and I'm not moving. But I I listen. I've learned. I've learned. So now, sometimes, you know, in ministry, I see people like, you know what, Tom? Why don't we just, you know, go sit somewhere? Let's go have coffee. Usually that means I'm going to talk for like two and a half hours. But at this time, it's like, let's go have coffee. Okay, there's your coffee, there's your coffee, and I just sit down. And I wait. Half hour goes by, and maybe a few things are said, and then, because the Holy Spirit's moving, and because I'm available to speak the oracles of God, the person says, well, you know, Pastor James, I'm having a hard time with this. This is I know. You're going to make it through this. And I'm not just saying that. It's because of somebody who loves you to the greatest degree. And you, and you already know that. Everything I'm telling you, you already know. But until you yield to the I knows, <laughs> amen? Amen. Well, I guess I'm not as good as I used to be because the sun's still up. Amen. So, you know what, I don't need to do this. Does anybody have a question about me? Does anybody have a question? You know, I always wanted to know about Pastor James. Thank you, Jesus. Because you missed your, sister, you missed your opportunity. Okay, okay, okay. okay. No. Um, I don't speak any native languages, although... Um, some people have said, when, I ha- when I'm speaking in tongues, it sounds like a native language. So that could be. You know, I wouldn't know since um, I haven't been, a- I should say this. I don't know that I've ever been able to interpret my own tongue. Okay? I don't know that personally for myself. Okay? So no. No. Do you still love me? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, so. How many of you are in a hurry to get out of here because you don't trust the Baptists on getting all the food at lunchtime? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So if, if you want, and if you want me to pray for you, my Lisa's going to come up here. We're going to pray for you. And what, what our prayer for is today is the people that stood up, you need to know. You need to know that, that you are definitely in the task. Okay? And whatever part... In the task you're playing, just do it. Sister's part, brother's part, we all have different parts, okay? You just stay to your part, you know? Nobody, I said it again. Nobody needs to be Pastor James. If you need to be Pastor James, then God isn't God. Because God doesn't have to do anything twice. (laughs) God has never had to do anything twice, okay? Because his creativity is endless, amen? So um, if my wife is going to come up here, and if, if you stood up and you said, you know what, I'm going to stand in this place, and I'm God's end-time vanguard, and I'm going to start taking that role and moving forward with it, which means you're going to say things to people and talk to people you've never talked to before. And the reason you're going to do that is because you know that God loves you so much, he's not going to embarrass you with anybody you talk to. He's not going to put you into a situation where harm is going to come your way, okay? In the story, you notice that David and his men weren't there when everything took place. 
He had them outside of the issue. So he could be established after the fact. How many of you are still following me? Thank you. So, um, Ms. Lisa, you want to come up? And if you want prayer, we'll pray for you. Other than that, Frank, if you have anything to say, and does anybody have anything to say to the church? How about an encouragement? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, how about real quick? How about somebody giving our exhortation to this house? That's an encouragement, a word of encouragement. We need to encourage each other. Hold on, God is working. Any more? He's not done with you yet. That's two of us. Amen. 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 God is always on time. Amen. Miss Lisa? So uh, I'm going to close in prayer, but if you want prayer, then you can come on up. Frank, did you have something to address the church? Yeah, that would be good. That would be good.